righteousness. I dare not trust in this simple frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. Today it's all about our Savior. We celebrate, but it all points to Him. He receives all of the glory, and we receive all of the good. That's the kind of church I want to be a part of. And I know that's the kind of church you want to be a part of. And I just thank the Lord that he's permitted us to be here for these years. And I don't take it for granted. I thank the Lord for the, our pastor. I thank the Lord for our people. You have been so good and so kind to Shirley and I and our family. We could never repay all of the things that you've done for us. But we want to give God the glory in all of the things we do. Now, I know that when some of you heard that the preacher, the old man, the old dog on the porch, is coming to preach today. But I want to remind you that I'm just a servant, a vessel. There's nothing special about me other than God uses me as his servant. And I want us to remember that you've got to look beyond the human and see the divine because it is he that is going to do a work that we cannot do it's he that's going to touch the heart it's he that's going to move the spirit it's he that is going to draw those of whom he calls and I pray today would not just be a celebration of our 49 years as a church existing but I pray that God will move and hearts will be changed. Over the years, we have experienced so many wonderful, wonderful scenes of people who have stepped out of the pew and come down the aisle and received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. I still remember many years ago that Alan Baker, and most of you know him that are members here, that Alan Baker came forward one day and walked down the aisle in our second building. And when he got about as far as these front rows here, I said, Alan, what did you come for? And here's what he said. You know what I've come for, and let's get it done. <laughs> I said, praise the Lord. You know what brought him to the halter? A granddaughter that kept saying, Grandpa, come and go to church with me. Come and go to church with me. Come and go to church with me. She didn't give up, and God saved. And that's the kind of Lord that we have. Now, I remind you, as Paul wrote uh, to the church of Corinth in chapter 3, he, he said, who is Paul? Who is Apollos? We're just servants. One of us got the water. And the other one got to plant. But God gave the increase. Amen. Remember that if anything is going to increase in our church, it's going to be through God. It's going to be through his son, Jesus Christ. And we have many things to celebrate. And there's not enough time. I, I was going to tell you that I'm going to be preaching from Genesis to Revelation. But that scares some of you off. <laughs> But I will refer to generate, uh, the, the book of Genesis, and I will refer to the book of Revelation of Jesus Christ, but I also will refer to some other scriptures along the way. But I am not going to try to teach every book of the Bible today, so you can set at ease. I realize that some of you have some food in your car or down in the tent, and uh, you, you can just smell that fried chicken right now. How many of you brought fried chicken today? Oh, look here. Remember where these people are sitting? You may want to go borrow a, you may want to go borrow a wing or, or a leg or maybe even get a big piece of breast, but chicken is fine, and it's good, and we enjoy it. In fact, we enjoy it too much sometimes, but uh, we're thankful. Now, I want us to think about celebration. This is Celebration Sunday, and I want us to think about what does it mean to celebrate you know, out of the American Heritage Dictionary, we find the definition of celebrate.
to observe a day or event with ceremonies of respect, activity, or rejoicing, to perform a religious ceremony, to extol or praise, to make widely known display. Now, we are to always have a word of praise to the Lord. Amen? And we don't have to just wait till we get to church. Uh, you know, there's times and times that we have opportunities to praise the Lord, and we need to take those opportunities. Now, Paul wrote to the church at Philippi, chapter 4, verses 4 and 5, and you don't have to go there yet. I, I am going to ask you to come with me in the Bible, and, and if you've got a Bible, open it up and follow along. If you don't, look on the, in the back of the pew. There are Bibles in the pews for you to use if you don't have one with you. And uh, we want you to uh, participate by seeking out. Now, I realize that there may be some new Christians here. You haven't been saved too long. And uh, you, like me, uh, have a hard time finding the books of the Bible. And, uh, but you will, as you keep learning the, the, the Word of God, you will one day conquer that uh, chore of knowing where a, a book of the Bible is and where to find it in your Bible. But we want to uh, uh, just share with you Philippians 4, verses 4 and 5. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto men. The Lord is at hand. How many of you believe the Lord is at hand? I do. I believe he's at hand. And I believe the word of God. Now, we celebrate many occasions in our lifetime. And uh, we would not have time to talk about all of the occasions of celebration, but I just picked out a few. And I want us to think about that this morning. Uh, what, what is something that I think is most often celebrated is the birth of a child. I mean, parents are proud, amen? You want everybody to see that baby. I don't care how ugly your baby is, your baby is beautiful. And if you do not agree with somebody's baby looking beautiful, you just say to them, wow, that's a baby. <laughs> They'll be okay with that. But we, we talk about birth and celebration of a, a child being born. Uh, we think about miracles. I'm thinking about miracles of birth. And one of those miracles are found in Genesis chapter 21. Would you go there with me, please? Genesis chapter 21. In Genesis chapter 21... There was a, may, a, a miracle birth. And God had made a promise to Abraham and Sarah. And when God makes a promise, he keeps his promise. Amen? I wish that every time I made a promise to someone that I could keep it. But other things have hindered it. And I didn't get to do that. And I know it disappointed those that I said I would do something and didn't get to do it. But I want you to know that any place you find in the Bible where God made a promise, he will fulfill that promise. Amen. He will bring it to pass. It may not be in your timing. It may not be in your way. But I can assure you that if you wait on the Lord, it's going to be in his timing, in his way, and it's going to be much better. Amen. The problem in life is that we get impatient as human beings and we want things to happen you know, I, the, the commercial on TV, J, uh, what is it, what is, let me think if I can think of it. J.G. Wentworth advertises for help people with getting their money. And, and, and their, their advertisement ends up like this. It's my money and I want it now. And a lot of people think, it's my time and I want it now. But it doesn't always happen that way. But in Genesis 21... God fulfilled a promise of birth, a miracle birth. Look at verse 1 with me. And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did unto Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and bare Abraham a son in his old age, and the set time of which God had spoken to him. And Abraham called unto him 
whom Sarah bare unto him Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son, uh, begin, being the eighth day, uh, eight days old, as God had commanded. And Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born unto him. Now, this is the verse, I, we're talking about celebration. Listen at Sarah. Listen to Sarah. And Sarah said, God had made me to laugh. And to, and to so that all that hear will laugh with me. I want you to think about the many times that Sarah wanted to give Abraham a son and it wouldn't happen. And I want you to think about the many tears that Sarah shed when she saw other wives giving children and that she saw those who snickered or laughed or ridiculed or talked about her, they laughed at her, but not here. They laughed with her. Wow. Sarah, 90 years old? It is impossible. Every one of us in our human minds uh, know that it's, it's not possible that a 90-year-old woman could give birth. I now I've heard of women almost 70 years old giving birth uh, as a surrogate mother, uh, for their children or for someone else, but 90 years old. And we find that, that, and she said, who would have said unto Abraham that Sarah should have given children suck? For I have borne him a son in old age. My folks, today we still have miracles. I heard a couple of amens. You know, your, your being here and breathing today is a miracle. Man, I, I tell you, I'm glad I live in the Ozarks. I'd hate to know I had to live in California today. Those people are about to choke to death. It's unbelievable what we're seeing happening in our world today. The events and the things that are taking place. How many of you noticed that it, there was an announcement of an earthquake in the Northeast this past week? Raise your hand if you heard about it. One, two, three, four. Okay, but yeah, they had an earthquake. Three point something on the Richter scale in some place like New Jersey or somewhere, I don't know, Connecticut. Unheard of. And, uh, but we find here that we have a miracle birth, and I want you to know that that's something to celebrate. But a greater miracle than Sarah giving birth to Isaac was Mary giving birth to Jesus Christ. Because in that act of God and the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ, he was not born of man who is in sin. He was born of the Holy Ghost and conceived through God, bringing God's presence into this world. Jesus said, if you see me, you have seen the Father, for we're one. And so we find the miracle birth in Matthew and in Luke. And we find in Luke chapter uh, 2 and verses 7 through 14, which I'm not going to go there, we find a great celebration of the host of angels in heaven coming down to the shepherds and telling them of the birth of Christ and the shepherds making their way uh, to that birthplace to honor our Savior. The world did not recognize Jesus as the Messiah. The Jews did not recognize Jesus as Messiah. And we find that, that he was born in obscurity and he gave his life in service and sacrifice as he hung on that cross and died for our sins and shed his blood that you and I may have life and have it more abundantly. I am grateful for the abundant life. I'm not looking for death. I'm looking ahead for life. I was in the barber shop the other day and uh, an elderly man came in and sat down beside me. Of course, he saw that I was pretty elderly too, but he was older than I was. 
It's funny how we take a perspective in life. Sarah never said, you know, I'm the old lady. I'm the old woman. No, that old man. He's 100 years old, Abraham. He's the one that's old. It's funny how we do that. But I'm sitting in a chair, and uh, my barber, Grant, uh, he uh, asked the gentleman, he said, what are you up to, or something of that nature? And he said, just sitting on the couch, my wife and I are just waiting to die. What a sad countenance. What a sad report that someone would just sit around and wait for the vultures to come. Just waiting to die. I'm waiting to, for the Lord to come. I'm waiting for the resurrection day. I'm waiting for life eternal. And I'm waiting for great things to happen in the future, greater than anything that's happened in our past. And we look to that, and we rejoice in that. And I think of, uh, I think of another thing that we celebrate as a wedding, when a young couple gets married. I think we celebrate that. And then we have those anniversaries of marriage that we celebrate. Now, the, the most two common dates in a marriage is the 25th year. Does anybody know what you get on the 25th year? Silver. And the 50th. What do you get? Yeah, you think so. gold tinsel <laughs> life has sure got some things for us haven't it but we find that God blesses some people to go and go and go walking together on this earth in holy matrimony I see sister June glasses here this morning and I don't think she would mind that I rejoice with her that God gave her 70 years of sweet, loving fellowship with J.L. Glass. 70 years. What, a, what an inspiration to us. Not all marriages work out. Many fail, and they fail for different reasons, but thank God for all the marriages that do last. And, and may I throw this in, whether it offends anyone or not. The Bible tells us in Genesis that God told Adam, he said, I'm going to make you a helpmeet. And he made Eve. And the Bible says, therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife. I don't care what this world is trying to tell you today and what they're trying to show you. You cannot get away from the fact that God created us male and female. Amen. He created us to procreate and to, and to replenish the earth and to love him and serve him in all the beauty that he's given us. And so we, we constantly think about the wedding and the celebration and do you know the first miracle that Jesus did? He was called to the wedding feast of Canaan, of Galilee. And his mother called in, and the disciples were called. And, and guess what? They were having such a good time, they ran out of wine. The Bible said they didn't have any more. And she turned to Jesus and said, they don't have any. Jesus said, what, I, what do I have to do with thee? My time has not yet come. But he turned the water into wine. Now, folks, whatever you believe about wine, I believe this with all my heart, that what Jesus created in those vessels, those six vessels, was pure and delightful and tasteful and not harmful in any way. I believe that. Now, maybe, maybe I'll be wrong, and one day someone will prove it, but I believe that Jesus would never create anything that would harm us or hurt us or hinder us. Man has designed that, and he keeps designing it in all kinds of fashions and forms, and we're blasted in the TV's commercials. They, they stop saying about this liquor or that liquor. They start using fancy words seltzers 
you know, and other things. Try to get young people to draw into that. Listen, folks, we have no business taking into our body things that will hinder our mind or hurt our liver. That's just a little thrown in thing in the message today. We better move on. Besides birth and besides marriage, I think of a, a couple of other celebrations, and one of them is Christmas. And I want you to know, and I think you know this, that as God's people who knows the Word of God, and we love the Lord Jesus Christ as we should, we celebrate Christmas in Jesus. Now, I realize that we can do all kind of ceremonial things and have all kind of goody things we do in life. But what we emphasize is the birth of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the reason for the season. Amen? He is, and we need to remember that. Now, think about Easter. How many of you, when you were a child, hunted Easter eggs? Oh, Okay, that's a tradition that we've had in, in uh, centuries. And um, uh, even churches have Easter egg hunts. That's up to the church. But I want you to know that as much fun as that is for the children, our children need to grow up knowing that Jesus Christ is the reason for the Easter. It, it, it signifies his death, his sacrifice, his death, the shedding of his blood, and the resurrection. Jesus is the firstborn, and all of us that comes after him. He's number one, and he should always be number one. And so today, we're celebrating our anniversary as a church. Now, we don't have a right to say that we have the oldest church in America. We don't have that right because... Uh, uh, Roger Williams had a burden to start a church in 1638, 382 years ago. It was called the First Baptist Church of Providence, Rhode Island. It's still in existence today. Wow, that our church would have longevity. We don't have the right to uh, claim that our church is the oldest Baptist church in the state of Missouri. No. That is Pisgah Baptist Church in Cooper County, Missouri that was established in 1820, 200 years ago. And when you pull up their website, you will find these words in caption. It says this, Proclaiming Christ for His glory for your good. Hey, isn't that a great theme? Proclaiming Christ for His glory and your good. It, it is important that we do not miss. And, and then we, we think about uh, the churches in Greene County. We're not the oldest church in Greene County. Uh, we find that, that um, the, the uh, Prospect Baptist Church, no, excuse me, uh, we go back to Greene County, and the, the church that's the oldest in Greene County is Mount Pleasant Baptist Church, which is not too far from where we are, just southwest of Willard. That church was established in 1838, 182 years ago. Now, our church is only 49 years old, but I would like to tell you that we as a church, and I was not there at the beginning, but we as a church started meeting and holding services in a church south of Ash Grove called Prospect Baptist Church. That church was established as a pioneer church in 1840. And it existed as a worshiping Baptist church until the year of 1956 when the church closed the doors and disbanded. The cemetery committee took care of the church building kept up the yard and kept the building painted, and it was sitting there. And a young man by the name of Don Potarf, who was a student of Baptist Bible College, had a burden to start a church 
in West Springfield, Bodark area. And so he gathered together a group of people on a Sunday afternoon, just invited them to come, and they had an ice cream social at Sister Irma Davis's house just up the hill across the creek from where the church is. And they established a New Testament Baptist church with the help of godly leaders in Springfield, Missouri, like Dr. W.E. Dow uh, and Dr. Ken Gilming and Dr. Uh, I'll, I'll just forget about one of these. I knew I was going to do this. Dr. Raymond Tracy, thank you. And uh, we find that these men helped this church organize. They began with 14, they began with 14 charter members. That was the, the beginning of, of this church. And they worshipped in that building. The building that they worshipped in had been built somewhere in the early 1900s because the original building burned down. And in the 1980s, some yahoos who got drunk burnt down that church. There's no church standing there today, but there is a marker and there's a monument to that church. But we find that when this group of people gathered to meet and worship in the old Prospect Baptist Church, it was a church without water, without indoor plumbing, and without electricity. So they started very primitive. Eventually, they got electricity by a generator, and uh, they did have two outhouses. How many of you have lived to experience an outhouse? Okay, you young people don't know what you're missing. <laughs> if you ever see a lighthouse somewhere on a hill, I mean a, an outhouse, not a lighthouse. <laughs> I hope we can see a lighthouse, amen. <laughs> It was, it was murder to go to the outhouse in the middle of the night. And I won't tell you how that was taken care of. Some of you couldn't stomach it. But uh, we find that, uh, you know, we have so many modern conveniences today. But one thing you could always count on when you went to our outhouse, there was a Sears and Roebuck catalog there. You could read it or you could use it. So we would always look through it, and if there was anything we wanted, we tore the page out, put it in our pocket, and went on down the road. But we find that we celebrate the beginning of Hillside Baptist Church. In the 49 years that this church has been in existence, Brother John Bingham, where are you? There you are, is our 10th pastor. Amen? I think. Thank the Lord for Brother John and his family. I thank God for sending them here years ago and letting them grow up through the church and letting them uh, experience of serving and uh, planting their feet deep and, and getting a great love for the congregation and the people of Hillside Baptist Church. And uh, so we find that I was the ninth pastor in the 12th year. So we are praising the Lord that God has let us remain this long in the church and so we give him all the glory and and uh, we just thank him for what he's doing this church that exists now has gone through several building programs but the original building whenever the church uh, bought some land right here on the intersection of 89 266 bought six and a quarter acres to build the first church building. We could not take the name Prospect Baptist Church because it was already in existence. So when the church built the first church building, by the way, they built it on just every penny they had, about $27,000 to build the church. Didn't have enough money to put windows in it. And everybody would come and visit. They would ask, why don't you have windows? It wasn't because they were against windows, just didn't have money to put them in. But thank God for the building that they had. And they had Sunday school downstairs and church upstairs. And um, that land was, this land was purchased. It's just west of, uh, east of us here on the property. It's still standing there. It's, it's a classroom 
building, and uh, we've got a fellowship hall that we added on. That's the youth department. And uh, thank God for those people who love the Lord and gave sacrificially. They, they caught the vision. And they didn't just give lip service. When it was time to build, they came with their hammers and their saws and, and everything they had. And we all jumped together and we did what we could do uh, all for the glory of God. And that's what we want to continue to do. We are here today because God has been so good to Hillside Baptist Church. And I praise Him as we think about our church today. And as we think about the growth of our church. And uh, the question could be asked, why has Hillside Baptist Church existed? Why has it thrived for these past 49 years? And I could list many, many reasons, but I'm going to keep the a sermon within the context of our time. And I'm just going to say three things. I'm not going to be long-winded, but I'm going to praise the Lord in what He has done. And first of all, I believe that God has allowed us to exist and to prosper and to thrive because, number one, we have always, always given our best to the Lord to please Him. You know what? If we please the Lord, the Lord's going to please us. And, and so I, I tell you that uh, we, could not have been, we could not have come to where we are today if we're not for the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you realize that none of us would probably be here in this building if it were not for the salvation that God has given us through His Son, Jesus Christ? Where would you be today if you were unsaved? Where would, what would you be doing? What would you be involved in? All you have to do is look out in the world and you, know, you can see where you would be. You can see what you would be involved with. Thank God that He saved us from our sins. You say, well, I didn't do a lot of sinning. Yeah, but you're a sinner just the same. Doesn't matter how much you sin, you're still a sinner. Doesn't, doesn't matter how much you give to the church, and doesn't matter how much you give to other people, it doesn't matter how much you kind to other people, unless you have the Spirit of God in you and you've been born again, you can't experience what we're experiencing. It is a supernatural birth amen in fact we call it the second birth we call it being born again there are people that don't even understand what the words born again means but you can go to the gospel of john in john chapter 3 and there it is plain as day jesus talking with a a, a jewish uh, rabbi teacher and he's saying to him, he's he was a religious man. And there are a lot of religious people in this world. And there are a lot of religions that people are worshiping. One of the things that got Solomon so messed up in his last years was that he looked upon strange women. And he began to bring all these women into his harem. Can you imagine? 700 wives. I thought about that. 700 wives. Wow, if that wasn't bad enough, 300 concubines. Solomon, what in the world is wrong with you? You would think the wisest man in the world would never do something like that, but the Bible tells us that he did evil in the sight of the Lord. What did he do? He not only brought other women, strange women, into his house, but he built for them idols of worship. Let me tell you what will corrupt your home. Bring in lost people who don't care anything about Jesus. I'm telling you, young people, if you're going to find a mate, don't go to the bars. If you're going to find a mate, don't go uh, to the uh, crack houses. Don't go down to the jail. You better go to where godly people are. You better survey and know something about the person you're going to spend the rest of your life with. Because I'm telling you, I don't care how pretty they are. 
man or woman. I don't care how well they dress. I don't care how much money they have. If they're dark in here, they'll be ugly out here. It'll happen. But we find that we've tried to do our very best, and we have a record from the past of seeing what God... Now, is Hillside Baptist Church perfect? No. And the reason we're not perfect is because we're not perfect people. You won't be perfect perfect until you get to heaven. Amen? You'll have on a righteous robe and you'll have all your sins covered and you'll be in the presence of a holy God and a Savior, Jesus Christ. But we find that we have built, as Paul said, we have built on the foundation of Jesus Christ. There are church buildings today that are closing their doors, locking them up, and walking away. Why? Because some things have taken place in their lives and in their church. But we've tried to do our very best. And we know that we are doing our very best at the present under the leadership of Brother John. I know that God never makes a mistake. And I know that when things came to a place where I realized there needs to be a younger man who will take the church onward and upward. And now I can look back and see what all the church has gone through. And I can see the burden that's upon a young man. And folks, I can tell you, God knows exactly what he's doing. And we need to give him all the glory. What we're doing in the present is what we hope to do in the future. We hope that Hillside Baptist Church will always be a lighthouse for this community. And not only for this community, but for the whole world. I thank God that God has richly blessed us with so much. And when we're blessed with much, we become responsible for that much. We, it is, is important that we know and remember this church is Jesus Christ. It's his. Everything here is his. We have no right to pick up anything and take it away from here because people sacrificed and gave to build his church. Jesus said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I want you to know that this is a hospital. We, we, uh, we have an opportunity to minister to broken and people who are down and people who are troubled. We have a place to, for them to come and find rest for their souls and peace in their heart. You know, a, a lot of people I talk to, I ask them, what is it you really want? And you know what they say? I just want some peace. Just peace. And the Word of God tells us that Jesus Christ came to give peace. And when He comes into your heart and your life, no matter what is happening in the world, it will not drag you down and cause you to fall. If you keep your eyes on Jesus, He'll always lift you up. I'm not saying you won't get wounded. We're in a battle today. We're in a fight today. And we're fighting for the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're to be a good soldier of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we know that uh, our armament is not in the backside, it's in the front side. We're not just to stand and be defending. We're to be aggressive and move forward. We're to conquer. We're to become victorious because the Bible tells us in that time when death comes, but thanks be unto God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And we have a victory uh, awaiting us. And so we find we've never, we've never not tried to do the right thing. We've always tried. Secondly, because we've never lost sight of the most important person, the Lord Jesus Christ. When a church loses sight of the Lord Jesus Christ, they are majoring on the minors. They're going out and trying the latest techniques and the latest trends and this and that. I'm not, folks, I am not against uh, change and I'm not against progress. Can you imagine if Hillside Baptist Church had not changed for 49 years where we'd be today? You'd have to go back and get in that little small building and it would hold about 100 people. 
We don't want to go back. God's already moved us forward. Why should we retreat? He has blessed us so. But you must remember that if one forgets of what foundation he's building on and uh, remember that it's important that Jesus Christ be number one in your heart. If you're not saved today, you need Jesus Christ. You've got to have a change here before anything's going to change in your home and before anything's going to change in your church. You've got to have that relationship. And when you have that right relationship, you will love the Lord and you will be in his house. You'll not make 150,000 excuses of why you can't get to church on Sunday morning. There's no excuse for us to lay back and not be faithful to honor the Lord. If you love somebody, you're going to be at home when you're supposed to be. What happens in a marriage when somebody stops loving? They start leaving, missing. I've seen it through the years, and you've seen it through the years, that when a person gets out of the fellowship with the Lord or someone else, it starts with the little thing and it goes to the big thing. First, it's a, well, I can't go on Wednesday night. I'm so tired. I got to sleep. I got to go to work tomorrow. Da, 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 da. I love uh, the song that uh, Tommy Stone used to sing, Excuses. Excuses. Boy, that's a pretty song. And I know some of you have never heard it, but I'm telling you, he could do a great job of that song. And, uh, but, but you think about it. It starts with just the little things. And first thing you know, it's not just Wednesday night, it's Sunday night. And a little while, it's Sunday morning. And a little while, it's once a month. And a little while, they're gone. I hope that you, if you are ever led to leave Hillside Baptist Church, it'll be because you were led to go to another work. Not miss a beat, but continue to be faithful to the Lord. We've never lost sight. Revelation chapter 2 and verse 4 and 5 says, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Who's he talking to? He's talking to the church at Ephesus. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do, fir do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and I will remove thy candlestick, out of his place, except ye repent. The church had left its first love. That's happening in churches across this country. But thank God there are churches that have stood the test of time and have kept the faith and they have kept faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ. We've never lost sight of the most important person in this church, Jesus Jesus, there's just something about that name. Oh, Jesus Christ, the solid rock that we stand on. All oh, the faith and trust that we put in him. Our love for the Savior. Peter was confronted by Jesus one day. And they had dined on fish. Jesus had prepared a meal for the disciples when they came to shore. And they'd prepared a meal. And when they had finished that meal, this was the third time that Jesus had appeared unto his disciples after his resurrection. And the first person he talks to is Peter. Peter, lovest thou me more than these? And Peter said, Yea, Lord, I love you. Feed my sheep. He asked him not once, he asked him not twice, but he asked him three times. Lovest thou me? And Peter was a little taken back by the same interrogation. And he said, yes, I love you. Feed my lambs. And then the last time that Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? He said, Yea, Lord, thou knowest I love thee, and uh, thou knowest all things. And Jesus said, Feed my sheep. God had for Peter a place of service, a work to do 
on this earth. And for every person here today that is a born-again Christian, God has a place for you. Every one of you, God has a purpose for you. And God has a plan for you. And when you follow that purpose and you follow that plan, you find that God has been so good to you. He's blessed you so richly. He supplied your needs. He's taken care of you. Listen, the stock market can crash tomorrow, but God's people should never crash. Oh, I lost all my retirement. Now, I don't like the idea of losing money, but I can tell you that money's not going to get us to heaven. And God owns it all. And Paul said, I've learned to abound and I've learned to abase. I've learned to, to rejoice when things were so good and I've learned to rejoice when things are not so good. And the hardships and the difficulties and the trials and tribulations of life do not bring us to the top of the mountain to boast of all of what we've done, but it brings us down to the valley on our knees and, and thanking God for what he's done and asking him to do yet greater things. And he does. You know, there's some that have lost their love and some that have rebelled and some that are, that are gone astray. You think about the prodigal son in, in Luke chapter 9, uh, excuse me, in Luke uh, chapter 15. You think about the prodigal son and his desire to live his own life his own way. Do we have a lot of people like that today? Yes, we do. And, and they're, they're, they're come to the place somewhere because of, because, of your, because of your teaching and because of what you're trying to show them and because they're not willing to accept it and they are rebelling against it. They want to fly up, take off, and go somewhere and make their life. And what they do is they make disaster. Now, I don't know if anybody here has ever slopped hogs or fed hogs. Hmm? Do we have some folks? That is one of the most stinky jobs in the world. In fact, when I made a trip into Indiana, I think it was probably 10 or 15 or 20 miles from a hog farm, and we could smell it. Whoo! And this prodigal son who took his uh, uh, inheritance, which he didn't deserve to get it at the time, but the father divided up, he let him go, he took off in righteous living, he went into a foreign land, there became a, a famine, he got a job feeding the hogs, he's down there with the hogs, and the Bible said he would have eaten those things that the hogs have, and he stood up, and he looked towards home, and he said, I remember in my father's house that even the servants have a roof over their head, they have a bed to sleep in, they have food, and they're taken care of. He said, I'm going back to my father's house. He said, I'm going back and I'm going to ask my dad, can I be a servant in your house? What's the difference between the son that left and the son that went back home? Humility, brokenness. You're never going to come to Christ with pride. You're never going to please the Lord when you have uh, your agenda. It's when you run out of all the ideas and you realize that there's someone greater than you are and they can do a greater job at your life than you can do, that you're willing to yield yourself. And he went back to his father's house. He was ready to tell his father of all of his, his sadness and his sorrow and repentance. What did the father do? I told you. I knew you were going to do this. You messed up. You made a mess out of you. No. The father saw the son coming, and he ran to meet him. He hugged him. He kissed him. He put a ring on his finger. He put shoes on his feet. He put a robe on. He killed the fatted calf. What did he do? He celebrated. My son that was wayward and the son that went away has come back, and he's come back with a whole different spirit and a different attitude. That's what it means to come to Christ. To just humble ourselves and realize I'm not the smartest guy in the world. I'm not the bravest person. I realize that I can't do it all. But I know one who can. And I'm going to walk with him today. And I'm going to trust him. And I'm going to fellowship with him. My friend, if you're not saved, today is the day of salvation.
Christian, if you claim to know Christ, let's check up your life just for a moment. Have you been reading your Bible? Have you been praying? Have you been faithful in church? Well, I used to. I used to. No. What are you doing now? I believe that if we live for the Lord Jesus Christ, today we're better than we were a year ago. We ought to be, amen? We ought to be a little more spiritual, and we ought to be a little more dedicated. We ought to be a little more uh, anticipating all that God wants to do in our life, and we're learning to have the mind of Christ. We're commanded to do that. So we find today is the day of salvation. We celebrate to life. We celebrate to honor our God. And we as a church today have a celebration Sunday. But I want you to know there can be no greater celebration than Jesus changing our life. The parables that Jesus spoke of in Luke chapter 15 was the parable of the lost sheep, the parable of the lost coin, and the parable of the prodigal son. And in the lost sheep, the shepherd went out, left the 99, and found the one sheep. He put it on his shoulders and he brought it back. And he called for his neighbors to come and celebrate with him. For the sheep that was lost is now found. Celebrate with me. And the Bible tells us that there's celebration in heaven over one sinner that repenteth. Not only is it there, but it's here with us. When somebody gets saved at Hillside Baptist Church, we make much of it. And the reason is because God made much of it. And we want to do what God wants us to do. We find the lost coin was lost. And what did the parable say? The woman went through the house and lit a candle. And she swept the house until she found the coin. And she rejoiced and called for those of her family and friends to celebrate. She found it. The other day I was putting receptacle covers back on the outlets in my den where I've been painting and working on it. And uh, if you've ever put a cover on an outlet, it has one screw, just one. And, it, and it's so small. And, and you can't hardly hold on. To it. When you're young, you can know you, it's no problem. But when you get old, and, uh, and so I was working there and having it, and all of a sudden, it just fell out of my hand, hit the floor, and I backed up, and I couldn't find it. I said, you little booger, where did you go? And I looked, and I looked, and finally I walked around this way, and I turned, and I saw a glitter of light on that screw. And I reached down, and I picked it up and put it in its place. You know what? The Lord does that for us. He does that for us. May we make those choices today that will cause us to celebrate every day in Jesus.